Hello and welcome back to the Bible Companion series with P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Exodus chapter 22. Verses 1 through 15, laws regarding personal property. This chapter continues with various case laws and judgments describing how to apply the Ten Commandments to day-to-day -day life. God requires justice in relationships and society. He especially hates injustice against those who are weak and defenseless. He tells Moses to relay the following to the children of Israel. Whoever steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it must pay back five head of cattle for the ox and four sheep for the sheep. This continues the idea of restitution for stolen property. Restitution is either the restoration of something lost or stolen to its proper owner or recompense for the injury or loss, according to the Oxford Dictionary. This was a punishment for the thief, as well as compensation for the victim who has been violated and deprived of his possessions. Then we have a case where thieves may be killed. If he is breaking in at night and the homeowner strikes him in self-defense, then the defender is not guilty of murder or manslaughter because the thief is the criminal. But if it happens after sunrise, when he can see what's happening, then the defender would be guilty of manslaughter. But what if the thief has nothing with which to make restitution, since his poverty may be the reason he is stealing in the first place? Then he can be sold till the value of the stolen item has been paid back, a kind of indentured servitude. Much of the slavery of the time had an economic root. There were no bankruptcy laws, so the thief could opt to sell himself into slavery. And as we saw in the previous chapter, slavery, slavery was not meant to be indefinite. Hebrew slaves were to be released after six years of servitude. However, if the thief is located with the evidence, stolen property, particularly an animal like an ox, donkey, or sheep, alive and well, then they must pay back double. And as in the previous chapter, which addressed the responsibilities of animal owners, here the instruction is, if anyone grazes their livestock in a field or vineyard and lets them stray and, then, and they graze in someone else's field, the offender must make restitution from the best of their own field or vineyard. They had to respect others' private property and keep control of their animals so that other people's crops were not impacted. They had to replace the crops from their own field and from the best of their own field or vineyard. Then a law regarding arson, regardless of the extent. If a fire breaks out and spreads into thorn bushes so that it burns shocks of grain or standing grain or the whole field, the one who started the fire must make restitution. The principle of restitution restores the notion of justice as opposed to jail time for the offender since the sentence is directly related to the crime. The same is true of the concept of an eye for an eye, so that the judges would be prevented from personal vendettas and ensure that the punishment meets but does not exceed the crime. Then we have the scenario that someone had given his neighbor silver or other goods for safekeeping, and they were stolen in the night. If the thief is caught, he must pay back double the value, but if he is not found, the owner of the house must appear before the judges who will de determine whether he is the thief in question. 
And if there is a dispute about the ownership of an ox, donkey, sheep, garment, or any other lost property, which is claimed by more than one person, both parties are to bring their cases before the judges. Whomever the judges declare guilty must pay back double to the other. Such conflicts would be settled before the judge who was to determine who was telling the truth and who was not. Likewise, if anyone gives a donkey, an ox, a sheep, or any other animal to their neighbor for safekeeping and it dies or is injured or is taken away while no one is looking, the issue between them will be settled by the taking of an oath before the Lord that the neighbor did not lay hands on the other person's property. The owner is then to accept this and no restitution is required. But if the animal was stolen from the neighbor, restitution must be made to the owner. If it was torn to pieces by a wild animal, the neighbor shall bring in the remains as evidence and shall not be required to pay for the torn animal. That was beyond his control. However, before this law was in place, in the book of Genesis, we read that Jacob's father-in-law, Lot, treated Jacob unfairly. Jacob says, I did not bring you animals torn by wild beasts. I bore the loss myself, and you demanded payment from me for whatever was stolen by day or night. Finally, if anyone borrows an animal from their neighbor and it is injured or dies while the owner is not present, they must make restitution. But if the owner is with the animal, the borrower will not have to pay. And if the animal was hired, the money paid for the hire covers the loss. In 2 Kings 6, 1-5, we see the distress felt by one of the prophets when a borrowed axe head fell into the water. These various laws reflect God's concern that we live honestly before a watching world and an omniscient God. He cares about things that would seem insignificant to a God of the universe, except that this God is not a distant deity, but he is actively involved with his creation. Verses 16 through 31, Laws of Social Responsibility Women were protected from being used by men sexually. If a man slept with a young woman even though he hadn't planned to marry her, he was required to pay the bride price and marry her. If her father absolutely refused to give her to him, he must still pay the bride price. In such cases, it was the male who was held accountable. The woman was seen as an exploited victim. Then we're told, do not allow a sorceress to live. The occult was practiced from the beginning, but it was incompatible with a theocratic society under a holy God. Isaiah 8.19 says, When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? In Deuteronomy 18.9-12, Moses says, When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells, or who is a medium or a spiritist or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. 
because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. There is no such penalty in the new covenant, since the coming of Jesus ended the theocratic nation of Israel. Yet we are to avoid all such practices. Witchcraft is included in the list of sins to avoid. Anyone who has sexual relations with an animal is to be put to death. The death penalty was required for bestiality. Leviticus 18, 23-24 spells this out in more detail and adds, Do not defile yourselves in any of these ways, because this is how the nations that I am going to drive out before you became defiled. Such things are shocking to read, but such was the culture of the Canaanites that they were driving out of the land. And Hittite laws of the time even permitted cohabitation with certain animals. As a nurse, I've had patients with AIDS who had engaged in such behavior. And I'm ashamed to say that here in Canada, our Supreme Court narrowed the definition of bestiality so that it was more acceptable and less likely to be prosecuted. I won't say more than that. You can read it for yourself. As we progress through the various laws, the question will always be, what carries over into the New Covenant? And if it doesn't carry over directly, what principle does? And how is it to be determined? Some say if it is mentioned directly in the New Testament, then it is still in force. But bestiality is not condemned outright in the New Testament, and yet no one would argue that God now approves of it. We will study each case on its own. Then, whoever sacrifices to any god other than the Lord must be destroyed. While the penalty for idolatry was death, as time went on and most of the country was engaged in it, this was not carried out. But God hated it. We saw in the Ten Commandments that it was because of his jealousy for his honor and glory. Do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner, as for you were foreigners in Egypt. He repeats this in 23.9. Here the reason for the command is given. As former foreigners in a land not their own, they knew what it was like to be mistreated. Therefore, they were to treat outsiders fairly. Deuteronomy 10.18.19 says of God, He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. They were to love foreigners, not just fail to mistreat or oppress them. In this way, they would be like God, who loves foreigners. Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. If you do, and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will be aroused, and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives will become widows and your children fatherless. Here we see God's concern that those without the protection of a husband and father be cared for and not be taken advantage of. Even today, widows are often destitute and other relatives or the government seizes her property and leaves her and her children homeless. But God promises to hear them. And when he hears them cry out to him, he will be angry and he will make the families of those men widows and orphans. The prophet Samuel said this when he killed Agag, the king of the Amalekites, in 
1 Samuel 15:33. God promises to be their defender. In Ezekiel 22:7, God tells Jerusalem, "These are some of the reasons He is judging them with exile. In you, that is Jerusalem, they have treated father and mother with contempt." In you, they have oppressed the foreigner and mistreated the fatherless and the widow. In Deuteronomy 24, 14, 15, they're instructed, Do not take advantage of a hired worker who is poor and needy, whether that worker is a fellow Israelite or a foreigner residing in one of your towns. Pay them their wages each day before sunset, because they are poor and are counting on it. Otherwise, they may cry to the Lord against you, and you will be guilty of sin. James 5.4 condemns those who are rich because they have failed to pay their employees fairly. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. So these three groups, widows, orphans, and strangers, are of great concern to God because they often had no one to care for them. How they are treated or mistreated reflects on the citizens of a country. If you lend money to one of the people, my people among you who is needy, do not treat it like a business deal. Charge no interest. Leviticus 25, 35-37 says, If any of your fellow Israelites become poor, and are unable to support themselves among you, help them as you would help a foreigner and stranger so they can continue to live among you. Do not take interest or any profit from them, but fear your God so that they may continue to live among you. You must not lend them money at interest or sell them food at a profit. Charging interest was allowed, just not to fellow Israelites. Deuteronomy 23, 19-20 says, do not charge a fellow Israelite interest, whether on money or food or anything else that may earn interest. You may charge a foreigner interest, but not a fellow Israelite, so that the Lord your God may bless you and everything you put your hand to in the land you are entering to possess. Psalm 15.5 describes a righteous person as someone who lends money to the poor without charging interest. God was concerned with the poor and did not want them to have the additional burden of debt. Therefore, they were not to take advantage of them financially. How different today when even payday loan companies lend money at 50% interest, locking the poor into a cycle they cannot escape. If you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it by sunset, because that cloak is the only covering your neighbor has. What else can they sleep in? When they cry out to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. This is practical. You don't take the one thing they own away from them. Do not blaspheme God or curse the ruler of your people. We discussed blasphemy in chapter 20. The Apostle Paul inadvertently cursed the high priest, but apologized as soon as he realized his error, even quoting this verse. Acts 23, 1-5. So Solomon speaks of this in a poetic way in Ecclesiastes 10:20. Do not revile the king even in your thoughts or curse the rich in your bedroom because a bird in the sky may carry your words 
and a bird on the wing may report what you say. Do not hold back offerings from your granaries or your vats. We have a tendency to selfishness and begin to feel that our own strength has brought our prosperity. But God wants people to give out of their possessions as a sign of thanksgiving and an acknowledgement that all we have comes from him. You must give me the firstborn of your sons. Do the same with your cattle and your sheep. Let them stay with their mothers for seven days, but give them to me on the eighth day. This relates to the consecration or dedication of the firstborn sons and animals, relating back to the tenth plague on Egypt, when God spared their firstborn, but killed the firstborn among all people and animals in Egypt. The eighth day was also the day when circumcision of males occurred. You are to be my holy people, so do not eat the meat of an animal torn by wild beasts, throw it to the dogs. This was self-explanatory. Any meat eaten should be from an animal who was killed by the person themselves for safety. An animal found in the field would become unclean by coming into contact with other animals and insects. Their meat was to be killed in a prescribed way and the blood drained from it. Once, Ezekiel was commanded to be an object lesson to the people, but he protested. Then I said, Not so, Sovereign Lord. I have never defiled myself. From my youth until now, I have never eaten anything found dead or torn by anim wild animals. No impure meat has ever entered my mouth. The reason for this and other laws related back to the preface here. You are to be my holy people. They were to be different from the surrounding nations in their conduct. As in the previous chapter, while many of the specific laws no longer apply to our countries and cultures, there are principles which carry over. We must answer for what we do maliciously and what we do carelessly. We have the right to private property and to defend it and ourselves. We are to respect the private property of others. We should do all in our power not to harm others, either intentionally or unintentionally. If someone entrusts something to our safekeeping, we are to care for it as if it was our own or better. We must abide by decisions of judges. We are to avoid sexual sins and the occult. We are to be kind to strangers and foreigners and love them. We are not to mistreat or take advantage of the poor, widows, and orphans. We are not to charge interest to the poor, but give generously. And we are to give God our best. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or the Gospel do we find in this chapter? A thief was required to provide restitution for anything they stole. In the New Testament, when the tax collector Zacchaeus was converted, there was an immediate change. He recognized he was a thief and understood this principle. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Luke 19.8 Likewise, even if the law does not compel us, we should desire to make things right if God brings these things to our minds. The overall sense of the need for justice in the Old 
entire Old Testament helps prepare us for an understanding of the cross and what happened there. God was just and the justifier of those who come to him. Human judges decided guilt or innocence. Our actions are noted by God and we will be judged by them. They were not to blaspheme God or curse rulers. We are still expected to guard our words and pray for those in authority. They appealed to courts and judges at times. We can appeal to laws that protect us from unnecessary hardship or abuse. They were not to charge interest to the poor. We are to give, not expecting anything in return. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Exodus chapter 23. May God bless the study of his word.